Today we're talking about talking. We're talking about talking. And I was reading some clever things that people have said uh, this week, and I thought that there's a couple I thought you might be interested to hear. So um, there was, you may have heard of Winston Churchill, Prime Minister of England during World War II, and there was an occasion where he was at a party, and Lady Nancy Astor said to him, Winston, if I was your wife, I would put poison in your coffee. And Winston replies, Nancy, if I was your husband, I would drink it. (laughs) Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, someone accused him of being two-faced. And he said, if I had another face, do you think I'd be wearing this one? (laughs) There was a uh, young lady posted... Uh, on Facebook and said, uh, I'll read it here. It makes my heart smile when two ugly people find each other and fall in love. And someone replied, who's the lucky guy? (laughs) There's a text message. I am not a taxi service. If you want a lift, I expect money. And the reply was, that would make you a taxi service. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great to always say the right thing? Wouldn't it be great? Husbands, wouldn't that be amazing if if we always said the right thing? It's another parallel universe that doesn't exist. But, so we're looking Through the book of James, as we said, faith for the real world. And like I said, if you think that James doesn't have anything to say to you, then it'll be because you're not planning on talking ever again. He does talk a lot about our words and what we have to say. And we're going to look at that a little bit today and because he's got some great wisdom around our words. And he's... You know, some people are like quite like straight talking and quite blunt. And, and those kind of people, you're kind of, don't, you're glad to like get about maybe two minutes of them. <laughs> I think James would be one of those guys. He's just like, so he just comes straight in like this. This is James chapter one. Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Hi, James. How's your week going? He's just right in there. But why, why is this such a big deal? It's because words have power. Words have so much power. They have power to build people up, and they have power to smash people down. They've got power to encourage people. They've got power to discourage people, power to, to plant in faith and hope in people, or power to plant hopelessness in people. Power to, to scare people, power to comfort, comfort people. And as I'm saying this, you're probably going, yeah, I know. Like, I've seen that. I've experienced that from the words that have come my way. And probably, yes, I've, I know because I've seen my words. I've seen the words I've had have those kind of effects for, for both for, for good and for bad. But for us, this is why James 
is hot on this. For us as God's people, we're called to be people of love. And, and words are the place where every day, every day, we can, we can love. We can love through our words. Or we can do something else through our words. We can love. And I've always um, found this quite a helpful picture of, you know, we've done heaps of conversations with people like before they're getting married and like here's some good advice and and one of the things that uh, is a helpful picture for me and I think it's been for others as well is about thinking about relationships like like building a, a, a wonderful brick house and and when it comes to our words every word is like a brick well every word is like building a brick so we can say things, and it's like, you know, we've put another couple of bricks and we're building this house. But the thing is, our words can also be like a sledgehammer, and they can knock the bricks off. And sometimes, on a particularly full-on day, it can be like a wrecking ball and smash one whole wall down in a day, just through words that are that are said. And if you're in a relationship, whether it's a friend or at work or marriage, if you're knocking down more bricks than you're building, eventually there's nothing there. Eventually there's nothing there. And people turn around one day and go like, what happened? What, how did we get here? It was because... They've just been knocking down five bricks, maybe building one back up again, knocking down six more, putting another two back, knocking down eight. And eventually there's, there's nothing there. And this is why James is saying, keep a tight rein on your tongue. It can be used to build a beautiful brick house, but it can also be just this out of control swinging sledgehammer. But like as people of love, we have the opportunity to build with our words. So we're going to have a little bit look at, look a little bit more at what James has to say uh, this morning about this. But could I ask us all this morning just to open our hearts to what God has to say? Just open our hearts to what God has to say. Um, we'll quickly discover that James says that like we've all got ways to go with this. We've all haven't quite got it right at different times. And uh, so for, this, is, this is for all of us. But I'd love to just pray and just invite God to, to speak to us. So God, we do ask for your presence to continue to be here, God. And in such a way, Holy Spirit, that we'd ask that you'd open our hearts. We can hear good advice and we can nod and we can think that would be good for someone else. But God, I pray that you would open our hearts this morning so we would take away something for us. That, that we would hear from you this morning. I thank you for James. I thank you for the challenging uh, words that he gives us because they're words that lead to life. Amen. All right, James chapter 3, here we go. 
We all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. I told you James would be a hard guy to hang out with. It's like, it's maybe two minutes worth. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. But just don't we know it? Don't we know it? Just how this, our tongue has such potential for just one thing said and then, oh, the forest on fire. You know, one minute I think I'm just giving my opinion about a relatively minor thing and the next thing I know I'm sleeping on the couch, you know. <laughs> I'm like, how did that happen? What just happened? <laughs> I thought that it was just, you know, we were having like a, just an emotionless discussion. <laughs> um, just failed to recognize that transition from like we're just talking about something to Matt, you're not listening to me. Once again, <laughs> darn, I missed that, missed that line that I crossed over. Anyway, so let's get some advice from James to limit the damage from our troublemaking tongue. How does that sound? Sound good? <laughs> Please help us. So, and I think it's really important to when we go through some of these things, is to recognize that uh, this is so much more than the words that we say. There are so many places these days where we can talk, talk. All the social media and posts and online comments and everything, there's just so much more talk out there. Okay, so the first thing that I've grabbed out of James that I wanted to throw out there to you is... Talk less. Talk less. I'm going to show you an example of someone that, in hindsight, she probably would have thought, like, I wish I'd have talked less. Okay, do you want to fire that up there, guys? Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some 
people out there in our nation don't have maps, and uh, I believe that our ed education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as, and I believe that they should, uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries so we will be able to build up our future for our children. Thank you very much, South Carolina. Miss Carolina, just say, I don't know. <laughs> just some of James 1, 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Proverbs 10, verse 19. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 17, 27. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Proverbs 17, 28. I love this. This is good, good advice for those big staff meetings. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent <laughs> and discerning if they hold their tongues. Proverbs 21, 23. And Proverbs is a book that's just it's a book of wisdom. Stanley talked about that last week. I'd, I'd really encourage you to, to read the book of Proverbs every year. You know, you'll just read chunks of it regularly. It just drops wisdom in your heart. Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Friends, we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. I read this week that we speak over 9 million words a year. Like maybe we should just shave a couple of million off in the next 12 months. You know, I think that would do us good to talk less. And as I was saying, we just have a voice in so many more places. Like back in the olden days, when I was a young fella, we had the, the telephone. We could actually talk to people face to face and we could probably write letters. And that's probably about it. And then there came a time when very rich people had fax machines in their houses. But most of the time it was just phone calls and face-to-face -face stuff. But now there's just so many places you can talk. So many places you can talk. So many more opportunities to be a fool. And so many people take up that opportunity. Um, who's on the Hibiscus Coast Facebook page? What? There's so many whiners out there in our neighbourhood. Oh, my goodness. It's like, to the guy who cut me off today, you're a jerk. Like, to the person who didn't serve me fast enough in the shop, you're a jerk too. It's like, to the person whose dog barked too early in the morning, your dog's a jerk. It's like, do you have to say all that? And I hear it from people all the time, like, you wouldn't believe what someone just posted. It's like, oh, what are they doing? And uh, I have to say that, and I look at, back at my life, and as a, as a younger guy, um, there's a bunch of stuff that, a bunch of words spoken at different times that I, um, I look back and wish I'd have just taken some advice from the book of Proverbs and said, just don't say anything. I remember I, was, I did a speech at a friend's wedding years ago. And like when I was preparing it, 
I just there was this joke, and I thought in my you know in my head when I was preparing it, it, it just seemed like so good, and and um, and I say it there, and everyone just looks at me like, what on earth? Are you, I can't believe you just said that. It was just, and I'm like, it seemed so funny when it was just in my head when I was writing this this, this speech. And um, I still think back of that and just like almost come out in cold sweats. It's like, I can't believe I did that. All these, you know, a lot of these people are still my friends and they just, oh, mate, that, that wedding, that was so, so bad. Um, but there's so many things like that that you look back and I go, I wish I had taken this advice and just kept my mouth shut. But that's what growing up is, is that. I'd hope that we do grow up and we do recognise that there was times when I was less mature and hopefully I'm getting a little bit more mature. And it's interesting with, with uh, my kids, with my, the difference age between the eldest and the youngest is about seven or eight years and, and um, the oldest would often say about the youngest and said, oh, that's so, so immature. And I'm going like, you were just like that when you were that age. It's like, but that's just the reality. We grow up, don't we? And like for... For those of us that are perhaps a bit younger and you know you like posting and you like writing and throwing things out there, it's just it may be that in 20 years' time you may go like, why did I do that? What was I thinking? But the wisdom you can grab from James is just talk less. Just talk a little bit less. And if you start saying less, you know, you'll probably be glad of it down the track. It's just honestly, some of these posts are just you read them and they just seem so self-centered. And you know, someone will say something about what they're doing, and then someone will post like, "Oh yeah, I went to that place." Or it's like, "How did it go from you to you know? It's all about me." Um, oh, I had this you know great experience today. Oh yeah, I had one of those great experiences. But so much of it can be mean and um, I don't know, just just not cool. So. Which is good, uh, good lead into this next piece of advice uh, around our words. And you, those of you that have been around church for a while this will be very familiar, but do to others what you would have them do to you. And that's the words of Jesus in Matthew seven twelve. He says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And this is what James is getting at. It's like words are meant to be used to love others. But this whole thing of do to others as you would have them to do to you, you often apply it to our actions. It's just like, you know, I'd love someone to bring me a muffin for morning tea, so maybe I should bring someone a muffin for morning tea. And, but it applies so much to our words as well and, and to our thoughts. And like, I tell you, for me, I get pretty challenged when I read this. I, um, so James is saying, hey, Matt, speak words that build up. And, it's, and it's, when you're, it's when you're with people, so they hear the encouragement, but it's also when you're not with people, that you're speaking well about people when they're not there. I got this email last week from, uh, from someone and, uh, that I'm going to be connecting up with in about a week. And there was this little line at the bottom of the email it said this, it said, I've heard wonderful things about you and I'm looking forward to meeting you. I go, oh, that's nice. But then I thought, actually, what's more 
incredible about this is that there's someone out there that I'm not anywhere near them, but they're saying nice things about me. I'm like, I'd love to find out who that was and give them a hug. (laughs) But isn't that cool that someone is just choosing to speak well? And imagine, imagine if we all did that. Imagine if we did that. That both with people, but even more so when we're not with people, that we would speak well of people. Whatever was being talked about. And we just knew that. We just knew that whatever happened, wherever we were, that my church people, my church family would be speaking well of me. And James also said this, James 4.11, he says, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Let's speak of others as we would want them to speak of us. And another thing that uh, I just want to throw out there for you this morning from James, and it's all tied in around our words, and it's be less angry. Be less angry. Because when we're angry, our words can just become a wrecking ball to our relationships. James 1.19, we've said a bit of this, but I'll, I'll read it again and then carry on. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. And, the, and there he goes again. Just <laughs> get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. He's like, anger is, is, has such potential for leading to, to bad stuff. And let, let me tell you something that, like, this is really important, okay? Now, if I, don't, if I ever say anything and if I don't start with, this is really important, it still might be important, okay? But this one's really important. All right, there is, and and you need to grab a hold of this. There's only one reason that any of us get angry. There's only one reason that any of us get angry. And it's because we're not getting what we want. And you're like, really? That's the only reason anyone gets angry. Now, sometimes it may be justifiable. Like, what I want is I want for my kid to not get bullied. I mean, that's, that's, that's that's fair enough. To get angry, you know, about like. But most of the things that we get angry about is because it's just selfish. We're just being selfish. And we're kind of wired that way, and that's why I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit that. I'm thinking to myself, that's right on the edge of the, uh, the thing. I wonder if I'll kick it off this morning. So. <laughs> So if you put it back there, you know what's going to happen, eh? I'll probably kick it off again. So, All right, Dean, what page am I on? <laughs> um, oh, there's more. <laughs> that looks like the page was at. That's very good. That'll do. If you go home and go, oh, gosh, that guy was really confused today with his messages. Like, 
It's like, I think his pages were out of order. Um, so there's only one reason that we get angry. It's because we don't get what we want. You know, it's like you walk into the lounge and the TV's on some kind of TV program, like set in the 18th century, and I'm like... <laughs> is this, how long have we got to go on this one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, stop now. Back out. Pull out. And James says the same thing. James 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. Yeah, there was someone at a church talked to me recently, and he was looking for help to, you know, to get their anger under control. And I tell you, like, when we had the conversation, I'm just like applauding. I'm like, that is so courageous. That is just fantastic that you would go like, I want to get on top of this. It's wise. It's like the wisdom of knowing that if I keep going where I'm going, it's going to be unhelpful in relationships and in other places. So, you know, if you have a, you know, if, if any of us have a, have a short fuse or, or get a little explosive when the fuse is lit, um, I mean, it, it can be for a, a few reasons. There's, it may be that that's all you've seen growing up. That's your... That's your family dynamic. It's just that everyone was yelling at each other and angry at each other. And, and you just do what you've always seen. It may be that um, through life, often in childhood, it often happens, is that you had expectations of people looking after you, caring for you, being there for you, loving you, and, uh, and it just wasn't there. And eventually it just like, you just got this like, this is not fair. This is not the way it's meant to be. And just as, you know, anger can sit there um, from something that someone's done to you and you just like, you just don't want to let it go because you feel like letting it go almost lets the person off the hook and they did stuff that they shouldn't have done. So I'm going to stay angry. Somehow thinking that if I stay angry, then it's going to somehow hurt them, but it doesn't. Anger can, anger can be something, can sometimes be tied to evil spirits afflicting people, afflicting us. It's very real. So just because we're a Western culture doesn't mean that suddenly evil spirits aren't around. Prayed for people, seen freedom come from, uh, from these kind of things. So if anger is a thing, can I ask you to do something? Just do something to get that, um, to try and make progress with that, to get free from that. Because it will, it will affect your relationships. If you don't, your career, your health, get, get some prayer. Get some counseling. And I know counseling is expensive, but you're worth it. And with prayer, like we've got people at this church that will spend, you know, like a 
like an extended time of prayer with you. And they've seen incredible things happen as they do. Freedom. There's real power to change lives. So when you feel the heat rising, before it takes over, could I get you to ask yourself this question, what is it that I want that I'm not getting? Just what is it that I want that I'm not getting? And if you can get into a habit of doing that as you feel the heat coming up, and then just stop and answer that question, it may just cause you to dial back again because you realize, like, I'm just being selfish. And I just want to add something to this, kind of the, the other side of it, the other side of the coin, if you like. Um, there's this, this time that we live in. It's like the spirit of the age, the zeitgeist is, is that the whole banner is don't be mean. Don't be mean to people. And I'm like, and even if it's the truth, and it even, but if it's got the smallest, slightest potential of upsetting someone, you just can't say it. You can't say it. And like, I'm all for protecting people from, you know, mean, mean words, but, but I'm also right up for helping people develop resilience. You know, because as much as we try and protect people from, um, or stop, try and stop people from saying mean things, it's a big, big wide world out there, and there's bad stuff happens, and people will say mean things. You know, you will get things lobbed at you that are like, ooh, that's, that's hard to hear. And, you know, will it crush us? Or will we respond from grace, the grace that comes from finding our security in God and his love for us and his acceptance of us? And no matter what comes, he is for us and loves us and we can lean back into his arms and know that we're okay. You know, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be amazing if we could just grow in this, year by year, grow in this responding with grace? in the same way that, uh, that Jesus did. Show compassion instead of wanting to defend ourselves or explain ourselves or fight back. I mean, people were hurtling insults and accusations at Jesus all the time. You can't be a holy man if you hang out with drunks and prostitutes. You can't do that healing on the Sabbath. Hey, Jesus, those miracles are from the devil. Hey, Jesus, you've got no authority to say that. Hey, Jesus, you're a false prophet. Hey, Jesus, if you're a God, get yourself down from the cross. And Jesus, Jesus doesn't complain and say, like, well, like I'm trying to be the son of God here and you try and do any better. You know, it's, it's your turkey. You know, you just, Jesus is not good. He doesn't come away with his disciples and say, like, those guys are so mean to me. It's just Muppets. Jesus just responds and, and sees that, that people are doing these things out of their own brokenness and their own ignorance. And He's dying on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Like pain, yeah, real pain. And he's thinking about others. And imagine 
if that was our prayer every time that hard words got thrown at us and then we could just go, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Wow. You know, there's a lot of other things that uh, we could talk about when it comes to words, things like keeping confidences, things like telling the truth. But I just want to finish with just this one thing. Because you're reading James and he's talking about this tongue, this untamable tongue, and it almost feels like, oh, yes, it's impossible. What do we do? What can we do? It's like, is there any help here? And just the fourth thing I wanted to throw out there from James is, he, is that we get God's help. We get God's help. We, we, can't, we can only do so much in our own strength, but we get God's help. James says this, James 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Just lean into God with our limitations. Humble ourselves and he will lift you up. It's the Message Bible says of those verses, it, it uh, translates it this way. So let God's work, so let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It is the only way you'll get on your feet. It's just come near to God. You know, we bring our mistakes to God and we, and we get forgiveness. And he's saying, you know, we, we do, the, do the mahi, do the work to get rid of our sin and we acknowledge our faults and God will help us. God will help us. God will lift us up. You know, there's real power to change lives for all of us through walking with God, talking with God, leaning into God. It changes lives. Let me just, I'll just finish with a story. Uh, story of a, a woman in a, in a village who was a, a gossip. She would talk about others in a way that puts them down. It was malicious. It was unkind. And the village wise man eventually heard about this woman and, and said, got, got her to come to him and say, look, I've been hearing about you. You talk about other people and you put them down and, uh, and you're hurting people and uh, you're, you're wrecking people's lives. And the woman felt challenged by this and she recognized that it was wrong and she says, what can I do? And the village wise man says, I want you to go home and I want you to kill three chickens. And then I want you to pluck all of the feathers out of the chickens and put them in a bag. And then I want you to walk back to me, but as you go, I want you to throw all of the feathers and, and as you go, throw them out of the bag. And then when you get here, all the feathers are gone. And she thought this was very strange. But off she went and she did that. And on the way 
uh, back in, these feathers everywhere, and she got back to the wise man and said, um, so I've done that, like, um, what, you know, is that like penance, is that, what, what is that? And the village wise man said to her, now I want you to go and pick up all the feathers. And she goes, it's a windy day. They're going to be every... How can I get all these feathers back? They're scattered everywhere. And he says to her, so it is with the words that you've spoken. You can't get them back. They go everywhere, in places you don't know where they're going. So it is. And she, the lights came on for her. And that's, that's James talking to us and saying, make sure your feathers are feathers of love. And then, we, then it doesn't matter how windy a day it is and how far they scatter. They're going to be feathers and words that will change lives, be blessed others. And that's the invitation that we have this morning with our words. Challenging stuff, huh? Hey, why don't we stand together? One of the things James also says is that uh, not many of you should presume to be a teacher because you'll be held to a higher account. It's like, oh, great. (laughs) But I think for all of us, uh, I was challenged preparing this message. I haven't got my my tongue tamed. Um, There was things that uh, James talked about as I was reading it, and I was going like, I need, to, I need to hear that. That's for me. That's for me for this season. And there may be some things for you as well. I'd just love us to just take a, take a moment where we can maybe just ask God, like, God, what, is there something from today that you want to speak to me? Why don't we do that? Just, um, just take a moment or two.